Welcome to GovCast. I'm Amy Kluber, and today we have a special episode for you all about AI. There's been quite a bit of development around AI in the federal government over the past year. So let's take a look back at how various federal leaders from different agencies are grappling with its challenges and benefits to agency missions. We'll hear first from an interview we had with Taka Ariga. He's the chief data scientist at GAO. At the time of the interview, the agency had just released guidelines for agencies to follow to help them get their AI audit ready. So what does that look like? AI certainly has fundamentally transformed our day-to-day lives, you know, whether it's social media, whether it's GPS navigation, whether it's computer vision, facial recognition. It's very difficult to navigate a modern landscape. You know, your iPhone, your smartphone relies on facial recognition before they would uh, even operate. And even within the public sector, there are certainly a lot of implementations around risk model, around computer vision, around law enforcement, national defense, uh, healthcare, just to name a few. So what GAO wants to do is we're in the business of trust but verify. But what we were seeing were a lot of conversation that essentially talks about high-level aspiration on how AI should not be biased, how AI should be transparent, and how AI should have a human-centered approach, which, from our perspective, very laudable ideals, but it's not doesn't really mean much to the day-to-day data science. Like, how do we actually put those principles down to uh, practices and questions that program managers and software developer and data scientists can apply. And in turn, how do independent oversight bodies such as GAO can then apply our audit procedure against those implementation for us to evaluate? And that is really our uh, hope that this accountability framework drives at that question of how do we connect the high-level principle down to practices in question, in which in turn is turned into audit procedure that we can apply. And, and that's really how we view it as a truly accountable implementation of artificial intelligence. More recently, we heard from CTO Frank Indiviglio about how AI is helping NOAA process immense amounts of data to support weather forecasting and ongoing developments around climate change. So I think um, AI is helpful in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, so let's start there and we can talk about challenges, but I, I think the benefits are it, it can reduce the amount of computing that we use, right? Uh, there's a lot of kind of, you know, in a weather from a weather or climate model, you have to run a lot of copies of the model to deal with kind of uncertainty in, in initial conditions, right? So you want to make sure that you're covering all of the possible, you know, start conditions that we have to, that you have to account for. And, and you, you can you, you can reduce that number by you know reducing the parameterization with AI, and I'm not going to get in the weeds, but it, it allows us to get more science out of the compute that we have, but it will also get it can focus the um, the compute that we have on things that we're really concerned with, say a hurricane model, right? AI can do things like help us focus the most of the compute on the storm rather than outside of the storm. So so there are lots of ways that it can help. Uh, reduce either data movement, but but certainly get better answers. I think the challenges are, are you know, in, in any organization, and, and we're no different, I think the challenges have, have been, you know, adopting it, right? Um, and not so much, I, I think there's a lot of people who want to adopt AI methods within within uh, NOAA, within, within the government, 
Um, but it is a new technology, right? You have to get your arms around it. You have to really understand it. Uh, and, and it goes back to the workforce stuff we were talking about before. So you have to have you know data scientists and, and machine learning uh, experts and, and, and other things that you have to build around your science teams. And, and that's a little, that I think is more of a challenge. And I'm sure this is not um, specific to NOAA, but I think you know, because we work in a science domain, having you know, software engineers or AI experts uh, and scientists all working together re requires almost the development of a common language, right? Uh, and that requires training and that required, right? So, so having those kinds of programs there to bring those folks together and, and kind of start working towards that shared language and really moving everybody forward together, I think that's the real, the, the real win there. But I think it's also a challenge, right? You have to, you have to develop your workforce uh, so you can get to a place where you can really rapidly adopt these things, make them usable so that you can go through your normal scientific process to make sure that they're usable and uh, people trust them, right? There's a lot of trust in the weather, right? Everybody's got to understand what the answer is and why we got there, right? and, and, and that that's part of it, right? So the analysis has to happen and uh, getting those people together is important. We also heard from EEOC Commissioner Keith Sonderling about how agencies and businesses should think about AI in hiring decisions, as well as the associated technologies to help make the workplace fair. You know, whether you're aware of it or not, and I think most people are not aware of it, but, you know, AI in HR has been around um, for some years. And the reason I'm talking about AI and the reason the EEOC is looking at AI and the, the government as a whole is looking at AI in different uses is that employers are already using it to make decisions about people's employment. So AI writes job descriptions, it screens resumes, it chats with applicants, it conducts job interviews. In some cases, it predicts if an employee will accept an offer and for how much. There's other software out there that predicts how that employee will interact with their new coworkers. It identifies employees' current skills and potential skills. There's AI that tracks productivity. There's AI that assesses sentiment. So are my employees happy every day? Or are they going to leave? Um, there's AI who picks who's going to get promotions, new jobs, do performance reviews, and there's even AI out there that will tell you you're fired if you don't meet performance reviews. So Ouch. it's not my forward-looking prediction for each and every one of, of these tasks I just mentioned. You can find a commercially available product where vendors are willing to, to sell to company right now. And obviously the pandemic has increased the speed of these developments. Um, so because it's happened so fast, because it's used on a mass scale, you know, there was really no guidance, no best practices, no general awareness of the potential legal ramifications or significant enforcement yet. So my raising awareness was saying, you know, this is the future. This is the future of HR. Everyone is going to be subject to this technology. How do we do it in a way where we can provide different stakeholders guidance based upon our longstanding laws? So, you know, now we're dealing with technology vendors who need to learn the EEO laws. We need to deal with companies who are now implementing these tools to help their workforce, to make their workforce more efficient, to make their workforce more diverse. Um, and you know, they're the ones with the, the ultimate liability here. So how do they implement these programs in accordance with civil rights law? And most importantly, the employees who are going to be subject to this technology, how do we make sure that they know that and that the rights that they're afforded in the workplace also apply equally here. So that's sort of been why it's been so important for us to dive in there. It's out there, it's happening, and um, we need to make sure that it's deployed in accordance with these civil rights laws. 
As part of a mini-series we had on ethical AI, Nis Elham-Tabasi from the Information Technology Laboratory discussed the agency's new framework for AI's responsible use in technology. The discussions about what makes an AI system uh, trustworthy and responsible uh, is ongoing uh, through the development of the AI RMF uh, NIST, uh, through the uh, open, transparent, collaborative process that it launched. Uh, we, uh, we agreed with the community. The community agreed on uh, trustworthy AI include uh, valid and reliable, uh, secure and resilient, safe, privacy-enhanced, interpretable and explainable, transparent and accountable, and uh, uh, the harmful bias is managed. Um, the AI RMF also provides some sort of a description around these uh, seven components uh, and through the four functions of map, measure, manage, and govern, uh, tries to uh, provide guidance on how to uh, identify these type of uh, characteristics within the context of use, uh, how to measure them, and uh, based on uh, the information from the map and measure, come up with uh, 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 processes and mechanisms to manage those risks. And finally, in the last little sampling of our AI discussion, the DOD is currently developing department-wide programs where AI is going to have incredible impacts for national security on areas like JATC2 and the new era of combat. For SOCOM CDO Dan Foliard, AI progress is starting with getting the service data ready. You know, we're committed to uh, following solid principles for AI assurance uh, and making sure that we, uh, when we do actually get to the point where we're ready, we have data ready to, to put into a model and begin to apply machine learning against it, that we've got the appropriate procedures uh, on the other end as we start to create those models. To, to test and evaluate those models for bias uh, in particular uh, and quality as well. So it's really, uh, you know, the, the work that goes into uh, test and evaluation, AI assurance and trustworthiness, uh, once you have, you know, an ML uh, pipeline and a, and a data model, an AI data model uh, is incredibly serious because we need these systems uh, and these platforms and these, uh, these algorithms to work not just uh, with respect to all of the, you know, the consequentials we need to make at the, the enterprise level, but particularly when we start thinking about uh, the nature of soft operations globally. Thanks for tuning into the special episode. If you want to check out the full interviews for any of these clips that you heard, head to govciomedia.com or check us out in your favorite podcast directory. Thanks. GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.